Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend, and we continue with FanFest. It's a FanFest edition, and whenever you can get on the stage with two of the best in the game, you know it's going to be good. You got three-time manager of the year, Bob Melvin, and you got the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Forrest. These two guys on a daily basis help put together a team and make the moves and make the decisions that have won 97 games back-to-back years and gotten the A's into the postseason. And, you know, one thing that you take away from A's Fan Fest is there's just this confidence. It's not cocky. It's just confidence in what this team is all about and what this team is going to do in 2020. So here you're going to hear my questions on the main stage to the skipper and the GM. And, of course, we'll hear the questions from the fans. Time now for Bob Melvin, David Forrest at FanFest. I've said this over the years, and I think if you're an A's fan, you understand. There was a time when, you know, things just weren't going great. And there needed to be a change. And there needed to be new leadership to come in and change things. And I think the moment he showed up, everything changed. And everything has changed for the good. And this man has come in and changed this organization. As I mentioned about Billy Bean, and the same thing we'll say for David Forrest, but it's not easy. It's not always easy. There there are hurdles that you got to deal with that other people don't have to deal with. And this guy has taken it on, he's embraced it, he's loved it, and he has led us time and time again to so many victories. He's a Bay Area guy, he grew up an A's fan, and right now he's the longest tenured manager in all of baseball. Nobody's been running a club better than him. We are so lucky to have him. Please welcome the great Bob Melvin. 
And as Billy just said, you know, a lot of people have come calling for this guy. And we've known it for years because he's one of the brightest executives in all of baseball. But he has stayed loyal to you. He has stayed loyal to this franchise, to the green and gold. Easily could have gone somewhere else multiple times. But you talk about somebody who can run a franchise on a day-to-day basis. Please welcome Mr. Forts. We're so lucky to have him. Thanks, Chris. Well, it's true. You've been here a long time, right? And you could have gone elsewhere, but you don't. And Billy just brought it up. I don't know if you got to hear, but he brought up how lucky he is to have kept you here. What what was it about these fans, this franchise, that you said, you know what, I could go somewhere else, but I want to be here? Well, it was nice of Billy to say. And it's hard to believe this is 21, my 21st year with the A's. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's... It's been an incredible place from day one, and Billy's a huge part of that. He's included me in everything from the first day, Um, and just, you know, the energy around this team, the ownership, the fans, um, we always have a great group of players. I mean, these guys are so much fun to be around, uh, and working the last nine years with this guy, uh, why would you want to be anywhere else? How about that? Wow. (laughs) Longest tenured manager in Major League Baseball. I remember when you first showed up. You know, there, there was a time when I was the youngest manager in baseball, too. So I have to bring that up. You, you, the longest tenured with the team, I think Frank Cohn and some of these guys have me with overall tenure, but talk about a whirlwind. I mean, you end up in the place that you dream about being here and being a local guy and, and now going into my, what is it, ninth full season or something like that. I, I You know, it's a thanks to, to David and Billy and everybody that continues to have faith in me and obviously – an incredible fan base. You, you still remember that first game in Chicago, don't you? I, like it was yesterday. I mean, you remember every, every game. You talk about a guy with a memory, and we talk about games from five, six years ago, but that first one in Chicago, I remember being there. And was it Cahill who pitched? Cahill who pitched, and it was the downturn. Unfortunately, he was like 9-0 and or something when I show up, and <laughs> he had a tough game there, and we had gone through quite the losing streak and, and won the next game, but... You know, there's certain games that resonate more than others. And I really, you know, you're watching guys walk by you, and I had no idea who they were, and they were in my own uniform. And, and I, I remember thinking during that game, like, I don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, it, it was just trepidation and, and just unfamiliarity, and, and next thing you know, here we are. Yeah, the team came in from Baltimore, right? They were in Baltimore, then Chicago. And I remember the first time we ever spoke you talked about reading the media guide on the flight home to learn who are these people i did and still didn't know who all these people were and but i'll tell you what once we got got back to oakland in the coliseum where i had played and and grew up and and many many times it started to feel a lot more comfortable to me uh starting on the road in the middle of a season was was an unusual circumstance but but again lucky to have it and um you know, it's just been an incredible run to this point, and I think there's more for us to accomplish, certainly, and we, we really look forward to this year. You know, not a lot of people – he grew up an A's fan, by the way. So not a lot of people get that opportunity to be able to manage the team you grew up 
rooting for? I mean, what what is uh, what is it like for you to put on that uniform and to represent this franchise, a franchise that you grew up loving? Yeah, surreal. And I remember when we got home and I put on the the white uniform for the first time and you know, it, it's every day that you get to put on a major league uniform it's special. You get to do it at home and 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 I had to sneak in the bathroom and go look and kind of turn around and look and and to wear Sal Bando's number on top of that, who was not only a childhood hero of mine, but a great friend to this day, and really got me started in uh, in the coaching ranks. I came up with Milwaukee, and, and he gave me my first job in coaching. And uh, so to be able to do that is just, it's tough to put into words. It gives me goosebumps right now thinking about it. And this year, 2020, it's, just, it's something just feels special. And when you think of winning 97 games, two straight years, and I think one, one of the great things for you is it's been a quiet off season. And for the first time, it's been a quiet off season, right? Yeah, it's been different. I mean, we are bringing back basically the entire team, which has been great. And, you know, right. So the last two off seasons, we've, you know, and, and Bob and I have talked about this, we've basically created a starting rotation. <laughs> But, but we got, you know, we got to the general manager's meetings in November with Fires, Montas, Manaya, Lazardo, Puck, Bassett. Like, you have these guys coming back, and it's not a situation we've been in in the last few years. So that's exciting to think about having those guys for the whole season. I mean, obviously, the way Sean pitched down the stretch, if you, you give that, you know, starting April, that's pretty exciting. And then, um, you know, the position player group everybody back and, and you add Sean Murphy for a whole season and you keep Loriano and Piscotti healthy. I mean, this has been a different offseason, but it's because this team is so exciting. And I, and, and I think about your rotation that's going to be in Las Vegas as we interviewed a couple of guys uh, earlier today and, and Fran Reardon is going to have a pretty good rotation. I mean, so you've got a set rotation. You really have six guys here at the big league level. Then you're going to have a lot of young studs ready to bang on that door down down in triple a yeah we, we know you got to get you know you're not going to get through the season unless you get help from triple a and we saw all these guys come up last year and help obviously the guys i've mentioned um but yeah with you know I, you talk about dalton jeffries and james caprillion and grant holmes daniel gossett will be back from surgery paul blackburn who's helped us that's a there's a whole five-man rotation there who's ready to come help us so uh it, yeah it's a great spot we're in right now how does that make you feel, Skip, about the depth that you have at starting pitching? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been a quiet offseason. It's been a good quiet offseason because usually we have to churn a little bit and to be able to keep everybody and bring them back. So many guys from our system that take pride in being Oakland A's, there's such value in that too. And this is kind of the culmination of our best uh, young position player prospects you've seen the last couple of years, and now here come our best uh, pitching prospects. This is about as excited as I've ever been. I'm pretty excited about our team every year, but no more than this year. And a lot of it is, is due to the people in our, in our system. And one guy I'd like to acknowledge, because he's standing back there right now, is Keith Lithman, who's probably been as, as, as instrumental of uh, executive in, in our organization with the players that I get, with the coaches that I get. If I need something, I ask Keith Lippman, and it comes from the organization. Keith's back there. Will you raise your hand for me, Keith? Let's give him a hand, because this is one of the great, great executives and, and baseball personnel that we've ever had in this organization. 50 years. 50 years. It's unbelievable. The run that he has had with this organization is, is truly remarkable, and that's kind of what I've always loved about this organization. It, it, it's like a family. I mean... 
we were talking about Billy Bean's been the longest tenured executive, started in 1997. You talked about how long you've been here. Keith, you think of all the people. And that's one of the really cool things. And I know you're going to be honoring someone tonight who's very special to you guys. Yeah, our, Betty Shinoda, our longtime uh, assistant, is retiring 40-plus years in the organization. Everyone knows Steve Vucinich, our clubhouse manager, 50-plus years. Uh, so, you know, you asked at the beginning, why, why do you stay here? People stay because it's a great place. It's a great place to live. The fans are loyal. Um, it's just, you know, we have a building that is as old as, as everybody, and we love going there. Don't, don't tell Dave. I know Dave wants something over here. We love going to that Coliseum. Yeah, and Dave Renetti's been here since, like, he was in eighth grade, right? <laughs> That's right. There aren't, aren't, Ricky Morbido. I mean, it's, there aren't many places where everybody knows the stadium ops guy. But, yeah, Renetti's been here lo longer than all these people. So it's, it's, it really is a family, like you said. Yeah, one of the great moments last year, and I was on the road with you, Bob, is, you know, the plane got damaged. There was the horrible storms and tornadoes in Texas. And so essentially the stairs that go up to the plane blew into the wing and plane couldn't fly. So, well, what do you do? You just don't find big private planes. Mickey Morbido did. And it was unbelievable. And when you honored him in Tampa and, and talked about him to the players and... Everybody gave him a standing ovation. That, that was really one of the great moments of last year. It was. And, and for the, you know, we, we have as good a travel, uh, you know, Billy and David and Dave Cavill. And, you know, these guys allow us to travel first class. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys that come over from other teams and say, wow, you know, maybe we don't have the highest payroll here and not the newest ballpark, but we travel as well as anybody, and that resonates. The hotels we stay in, the planes, and, and like you said, that's, that's a lot due to Mickey Morabito, who's been doing this for a long time. He jokes with me that I'm his third-tier manager because he's had Billy Martin, he's had Tony LaRussa. He's right. I am his third-tier manager, uh, but the fact that I get to work with him and somebody that's been here as long as he has and as good as he has, uh, there's so much value in that. I don't know. You're kind of creeping up there in victory, Skip. You're kind of getting up there. I guess let's do with that bobblehead. I guess that the number. It, it ran out of numbers. I stopped being able to, to turn the numbers on that bobblehead. If you'd like to ask either of these gentlemen a question, go over and see our buddy Dick Callahan. Dick, what's our first question? Our first question is John from Woodland, and he's directing it to Bob Melvin. Hi, Skip. First of all, thank you and congratulations on a great year last year. Uh, my question is uh, regarding a gentleman who I feel is one of the unsung heroes of this organization. And, of course, I'm talking about the head groundskeeper at the Coliseum, Mr. Clay Wood. How many fans know who the groundskeeper is of their team? These guys do. No kidding. Uh, so my question is, how important is he to the organization, and what role is he going to play moving forward with the new stadium? I, I don't know about the new stadium. I, I know about what goes on right now at our place. And I'm glad you brought that up because Clay is a miracle worker. And, and you know, we have Raider games and then uh, 24 hours later, he has to turn it over, not anymore, but he has to turn it over to, I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, he has to turn it over in his group, like in 24 hours at times. And, and, and you know, the Oakland Coliseum, we might not have all the bills and whistles. I've said that many times, but it might, in my opinion, it's the best playing surface in baseball every year. We have some challenges late with the football, but you look at that, that 
playing surface every day and it is pristine. It's almost like a golf course. So Clay's the best. Thank you for bringing him up. I, I don't know if any of you were at the game in September when we played the Royals, but like Bob said, there's a Raider game on Sunday. It rains all night uh, into Monday. We walked out there, what, about 3 o'clock, Bob, and thought, no way are we going to play. I even told David we ain't playing today. And, and he and said, well, hold on. Puddles everywhere, and Clay and his group just work miracles out there. So uh, we're definitely we're taking Clay to the new ballpark, no, no doubt about it. I can tell you I saw Clay at the last Raider game, and uh, he was all smiles. He was, he was the one drinking champagne. Next question. Your next question? Yeah, so, Bo, Bo man, we love you. Thank you for everything you've done. And, um, my granddaughter wants me to ask you, uh, if you get to the playoff game this year, the one-game playoff, if you, if. If you start, if you start a veteran experienced pitcher. That's all, that's all she wants to know. That's all she wants me to ask you. We, we, we don't have a ton of veteran experienced pitchers. She's, uh, talking, we, she's talking about Mike Fires, I guess. Right. Now, look. He, he, that, he exposed the Astros, too, so. Well, we expected to win that game. We expect him to pitch the first game of the next series. But it, it, what happened was Sean Manaya was so dominant for a, a period of time. And Mike Fires had an incredible season, no doubt about it. But you have to try to do the best you can for one particular day. And a lot of times that has to do with how guys are playing at the time. And that's the reason we made the decision for Sean, because of how dominant he was. He had a fresh arm. He hadn't pitched a whole season. Uh, it was a very difficult decision to make. I understand what you're saying there, but yeah, that, that's just the way it went. We would like to stay away from that game this year. That's, yeah, that's, can that's we the get, can we Can we stop the wild card? <laughs> Next question. My question is to Bob Melvin. Go Bears. What's it like being part of the Cal Berkeley family? And also, what was it like having Steve Carlton as a teammate in 1986, July 21st? You were on base with Bob Melvin when he hit a three-run home run in St. Louis, July 21st, 1986. What was it like, teammates with Lefty and Go Bears? Go Bears. Okay, where are we starting with this? Okay, <laughs> let's, let's start with the axe. We have the axe this year. So that, that's huge. And, and I, I have Stephen Piscotti on my team. I can't resist. Um, but, so that was big. It's been a huge year for Cal. Uh, Justin Wilcox is absolutely terrific. The right man for the job there. They're going to get better and better. Take a lot of pride in being a Cal Bear. Steve Carlton. I caught his 4,000th strikeout. I was lucky enough to ca call his, his 4,000th strikeout. And I remember it clearly. Eric Davis was, was at the plate. And I wanted to, to strike him out with the patented lefty slider, right? And that's what he was known for. So I call slider. He shakes me off. I call Slider, he shakes me off again. And then he calls me out to the mound. And I'm a young, young player. I go out there and I look at him and he goes, hey, when I go like this, that means put another number down. <laughs> so, all right, I go back, put down the fastball, he strikes him out. I said, all right, you were right, okay. <laughs> but it was great. I mean, th th those are legends of the game. You, you remember your time with them and he was a terrific gentleman on top of it. You know, I, I, I think about Cal and I think about two players that you have and Literally, Marcus Simeon had the greatest year of any Oakland athletic. Mark Canna, we've given the nickname duct tape because if you got a problem, you can put him there and he's going to fix it. I mean, who would have thought Mark Canna played center field? I mean, we, when he came over, we're like, is he going to DH? He's going to play first. Can he even play third base? He's playing center field. I mean, talk about these two Cal Bears, what they meant to you these past couple seasons. Yeah, we'll start with Mark. And, and a couple years ago, David said to me, put Mark in center field and see how he can do. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy's a first baseman. 
That, that's your response to most stuff that, is, that we it say. Is. It is. <laughs> and uh, so we put him out there. He struggled for a little bit. The second time we needed to put him out there, he was absolutely fantastic. He's learned how to prepare for any number of roles. Chris Davis goes down. He goes into the DH dot and pick, slot and picks up the slack. Uh, Steven Piscotti goes down in right field. He goes right field and does his thing. We move Loriano over to right because of some injury problems. He goes to center and does his thing. There are very few guys like Mark Canna that can give you the type of production and pitch playing in, in different positions and not complaining about it. Usually guys want to play the same position, have the reps, and, and prepare in one position. It's that much easier. Uh, Mark Canna's anything but. He just wants to be in the lineup and such a big, impactful guy on this team. I still believe Marcus Simeon was the MVP this year. You know, Mike Trout had an incredible year. Alex Bregman had an incredible year. But I still think MVP should be the guy that's the most valuable guy for a team. And there was no player in baseball that was more valuable to his team than Marcus Simeon. And we can leave it at that. It was an incredible year. I mean, David, he went from leading the world in errors. Yeah to now you want the ball hit to him and just, I don't care if you look at traditional numbers, you look at analytics, whatever you look at, Marcus Simeon was incredible. He was, absolutely. And I've said this other places, in the time that I've been here, it's hard to think of a better story, a better narrative for one of our players from, where, like you said, where he came from that first year, um, where he'll be the first to admit, when the ball was hit to him, you didn't know if it was getting to first base. Um, and, and to watch the way he worked from the time Wash got here to work with him. Um, and, I, and I always reference this. There's a story in The Athletic from last year that Ken Rosenthal wrote about Marcus's, Marcus's journey and how hard he's worked and everything he went through. And, and I had my son read it because there's not a better example of a guy who worked hard and, and, and deserves everything he had. And, and like Bob said, he, sh he should have been the MVP. He was absolutely our MVP. Um, and to think we've got him here along with the other guys, you know, in the infield, uh, it, it's just a, it's a joy to watch him play. Next question. Turlock. Uh, this question is for Bob. I actually asked Billy this about half an hour ago. He told me to ask you. Um, this ought to be a great question. Well, basically, thanks for talking about uh, Mark Cannon just now, because that's Big part of my question, we saw what happened when you put him in every day. I'm sure you and your staff have thought of this. Uh, our only hold really is at second base. Uh, do, you, do you guys have a reason for not giving a Pinder an everyday shot there, um, seeing what he can produce? Um, or is that in the cards maybe? You know what, we're, we're going to play around with second base. We brought in Tony Kemp, who, who played some second base too and did a good job last year. We're a little light on left-handed bats. And that is important. You, you get a lot of good right-handed pitchers, especially in our division uh, in the American League. And, and you, you need some left-handed bats. Chad Pender, for what he does, is similar to Mark Canna. He plays any, any position at any time, uh, works hard at it. It's very difficult to do. There'll be some times where he gets some, some reps, uh, maybe especially against left-handed pitching at second base, too. So we're not 100% sure what we're going to do there yet. But Chad Pender still is in the equation there. Your name, sir? Michael. He kind of stole my thunder there because I was going to talk to you about second base. But one of the things I want to mention is that a few years ago I said that we would, we would achieve our greatness by working through the minor leagues, and you guys have done a fantastic job. And, Bob, you're the greatest manager that they've had since the inception of the Oakland A's. My question is, at second base, what is the future for Barreto since 
he looks like he's the best prospect there for second base. I just like your feeling on it. Yeah, he's a terrific talent. Um, you know, it, it, you get to the big leagues and, and you have all the hoopla behind you and you get off to a rough start. And in the big leagues, it, it's tough to stick with a guy, especially in the position that we're in right now, and, and play through some of the, uh, this, you know, some of the issues that, that come up when you're not playing every day. He's going to get another opportunity today, uh, this year. And, and I think at some point in time, he's going to, to fight through some of the issues he has and become the player that we expect him to be. It hasn't happened to this point. A lot of it is because of maybe not a lot of consistent playing time that younger players need. But he's just another terrific talent that we have in our system and that we expect big things out of. And he's going to be part of that equation at second base, too. Uh, he's a very talented guy, very athletic, can do a lot of things. And, and uh, we're, we're hoping that that, that talent level come, rises up to the, the player he can potentially be. You know, I, I, th I think about this offseason. If our biggest question is second base, how nice is that? It is. It's a, it's a good spot. I was over in Plank with some of the Access members. 98% of the questions people asked were about second base. And, and like you said, I'm thinking, that's a, good, that's a good place to be. But like Bob said, you know, between Barreto, Jorge Mateo, Kemp, Vimal Machine, who we took in the Rule 5 draft, and Chad Pinder. We're going to move these guys around, and we're going to be covered there, um, which is nice because you don't have to worry about a lot of other spots on the field. Our next question comes from? My name is Brent. I'm from Modesto. This question's for Bob. Um, Bob, a question about the outfield. Um, I would think that Ramon will be center field, Piscotti and right. And my question is in left field, of course, if, if everyone stays healthy. Um, do you expect Robbie Grossman and Mark Canna maybe to platoon there? Or do you ex plan to give Mark the everyday spot there? I was hoping I didn't get this question. It's a great question. <laughs> We're very crowded in the outfield, and that includes Chad Pinder as well. So we basically have five guys for three spots. It allows us to rest some guys. We have had some injuries over the year. It allows us to try to identify better matchups for certain guys. It, I don't have an answer for you, unfortunately, at this point. But, but it's, a, it's a great problem to have when you have that many good guys, good players that you're trying to get time for. Injury on top of that, depth. You know, we're in a really good place. How it factors out at this point, I'm not really sure. I wish you'd asked David that question to tell you. Our next is Howard from Oakland. Um, yes, Bob, my name is Howard, and I want to know, will Jerome Cotton get a chance to be in the rotation this year? Well, I, he may get a shot in Chicago, but uh, Jarrell's with the Cubs now. He did a great job for us, and uh, I know he's got a good opportunity over in Chicago, so you may have to catch some Cubs games for, to see Jarrell this season. And this is Steve from Pleasanton. Hi, this question is for David. Uh, with Bartolo Colon still not officially retiring from baseball, what are the, what are the chances of a Bartolo Colon reunion in Oakland? It's a, it's a great question. It's, it's my only chance to have a player older than I am on the team, so we, we never get rid of that thought. I mean, how much fun is it to have Bartolo around? Bruce. Uh, he was amazing here. I, I saw the article yesterday. I know he still wants to pitch and um, just a great guy to have around. We'll, we'll take a look at it. But like I said, this offseason, at least one of the things we didn't have to worry about was the rotation. Hello. This, uh, my name is Bruce Mason from El Cerrito. 
This question's for Bob. I'm curious, how come bunting, we don't bunt more to beat the shift? Has that become a lost art? Well, when the shift's on, we, we bunt. We have guys that bunt. It's they, they take the shift away from us now, and they, they play. What happens is they shift, but they, they, the guy that's playing shortstop is in just enough to where we can't lay down a bunt. Matt Olson does it at times. We have guys that do it. Um, and if, if it's given to us and an opportunity, we will do it. But even though they're shifting, they still can take away, for the, take away the bunt. Our next person has a question about the change in the three batters. Yeah, uh, my name's Steve from Ireland. Uh, Bob, uh, I'm really curious as to how you see the, the new three batter minimum for pitchers, especially in the bullpen, affecting the A's. Uh, baseball and the the and the uh, the bullpen itself. Yeah, you know, David's done a great job of identifying lefties, Jake Diekman in particular, T.J. McFarlane we got who get righties out. I kind of I don't mind this rule at all because on the flip side of that, you bring in a lefty, we can match up off our bench and pinch hit. We've been really good about pinch hitting. Uh, I think our numbers were at the top of the American League last year in production and pinch hitting. So you bring in that reliever and you got to run through some guys that uh, we, we can mix and match with. I think it's going to be an advantage for us. So I don't mind the rule. I'm not sure it's going to speed the game up, but I, I don't mind the rule at all. Yeah, we got a lot of different rules. We're going to have a 26 man. And before you know it, robo up is coming. They're going to be using it in the minor leagues. They're going to be using it in spring training as a former catcher. How do you feel about that? Well, with RoboUmp coming in, it's really, right now, balls and strikes are the only ways I can get thrown out of a game. <laughs> with replay now, you, you, can't get you can't run out there and argue a call at second base and get thrown out. The only way you can really get vent and get your frustrations out is with the home plate umpire because of balls and strikes, and that's going to take that dynamic away, so I don't like it. <laughs> I gotta find a way to get thrown out. What are we gonna do? When I get thrown out? No, yeah, but when Robo, won't, how are you gonna get thrown out? I, I, you're not. That's let's why keep, I don't let's like Let's keep him in the dugout. Yeah, that's we, why I don't like Robo. Those of us who are sitting up in the clubhouse, we want Bob down in the dugout. Yeah, yeah Bobby Cox wouldn't like this. So, how do you feel about uh, Robo Up? I'm all for getting the calls right. So, I think, you know say what you want about replay. It's overturned a lot of important calls over the years. If they believe the technology is good enough, we're going to get the calls right. Uh, I, I think we might as well use it. So I, I do think it, it erases the dynamic from the game of sort of jockeying with a home plate umpire. Um, but ultimately, if, if our guys in the plate are confident, I, at the plate are confident that the strike zone's correct, it's going to make it a better game. Let's end on this. What excites you about 2020? What, what doesn't excite me about 2020? I, I, I mean, I, we've run through the rotation, the position players. Bob touched on the bullpen. Um, again, we were so lucky to be able to bring this team back, essentially intact from 2019, add a couple pieces. Um, I, you know, this date every year means we're so close to spring training, we're close to being on the field, and uh, it's hard not to be excited right now. For you, Bob? Well, we've won 97 games the last couple of years, and we didn't even know what was coming. Uh, some of these other, obviously, Houston, the whole situation, you know, that shows just kind of how good we are. So we're, we're excited about taking it to the next step and the next level. And I know all our guys, you know, I was asked earlier today what my message is going to be to the team. And I really don't think I need to have a message to the team because everybody's thinking the same things right now. And that's take it to the next level and get deep into the postseason and reward you guys with a world championship. That's what we're looking for.
Give it up for two of the best in the business, general manager and manager of your Oakland Athletics. A's Fan Fest is always one of the great days on the baseball calendar because it means spring training's right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers will report, then position players, then games. You're going to be hearing our broadcast, and then opening day, and the 2020 season will start. We want to thank the skipper, Bob Melvin, and the GM, David Forst, for FanFest and all the great stuff they provided us. Now back to A's cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.